All right, uh, we're going to go back into, if you have your Bibles with you, please open them. I always say that. I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to confess. <laughs> I'm watching some, uh, some guy at uh, you know, a church that I really appreciate, and uh, he opens his sermon. He goes, open your Bibles, please. And I heard a bunch of paper rustling. All right, open your Bibles, please, uh, or your phones, your tablets, to First Peter. Uh, and, and I really encourage that. I've always been encouraging that for over 12 years now, just so that, uh, look, be in it and, and track with me, but also if the Holy Spirit says, hey, check this reference, check that, don't text or check your messages, but stick with it, and that's really good. We're in First Peter. Um, we've been in this series from the beginning. It is, of course, called Christ, Our Living Hope. Uh, again, uh, Peter writing to the churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey at the time, and his impetus for writing this letter was because he knew in particular that these churches were suffering persecution, like serious persecution. And for what? For their obedience to the Word of God. They, they were so countercultural in those days, and we've been over it. You can watch the messages on YouTube or listen to the podcasts many times before, so I won't rehearse it. But we've been seeing, I hope you've been seeing for the past three weeks, how similar. I mean, it's 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. It's the same today. The, the context of how we're being persecuted today or the ways we're being persecuted today are maybe more subtle. We're not being put to death yet for our faith, but we are being silenced. We are being told to stay in our private churches and keep our messages to ourselves. And so that is a form of suffering and persecution that sometimes we give ourselves to and we shouldn't be. So I'm going to read our text for today. We're going to go all the way into chapter 2, verse 3, from verse 22. And then I'm going to pray one more, one more time before we dive in. Peter writing to the churches. Holy Spirit, I believe, speaking to us. Having, pur- pur- excuse me, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For, or because, all flesh is like, uh, like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Yeah, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you so much. Lord, we thank you, I do almost every week, for your word. Without which, Lord, we know there's other ways that maybe you could have reached out to us. Not maybe, but you could have reached out to us. You could have made yourself known to us. But this is how today you've chosen to do it through you, Holy Spirit. It's through your word, which we have. And so we thank you so much for that. Lord, I just pray today that as we go through this, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just reveal to us even deeper and deeper and deeper truths from your word, those indicatives, those foundational things 
about who you are, God, and what you have done. And out of that, then, who then we were and who we now are, if we are yours, newborn creations, born again, men and women in Christ. And then out of that, how then we should live. So Lord, I pray that would be your message today, as it always has been. And I pray that would come through to us today from these words. And I pray this in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So um, I like starting with questions. This one's, hope, going to be helpful to get us thinking about this text for today. The question is, have you ever found yourself at the proverbial fork in a road? Can you remember it? Have you ever been there, right? At a fork in the road. The road on the journey of your life, that is. I think many times in all of our lives, we find ourselves at a fork in the road, whether we actually realize it or not. I think sometimes the temptation is, especially when you're young, okay? I'm not picking on anybody here because I've been looking back this week at my own youth. And sometimes when we're young, we're kind of looking at the two forks of the two decisions in our lives, and we're looking at those, those two roads and going, well, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Like if I go this way, you know, if it doesn't work out, whatever, or this way... Anybody got the T-shirt? Is that sometimes not worked out well? Yeah, well, in my own wisdom, I can tell you sometimes it, well, many times it has not. And so what we fail to do, I think, sometimes is this. We fail to realize as we're going down that road and we're on that journey, we, we, we fail at some points to go, uh-oh. We get to the point where we're going, oh, you know what, maybe this was a bad choice. <laughs> you know, maybe this was not the road I should have taken. And so what we fail to do is we fail to go back. That's number one. We fail to go back. Instead, what we say to ourselves is, well, I can adjust. I can make this work. I just got a little adjustment here, a little adjustment there. I just got to learn this new philosophy or that new way of life or religion or whatever. I just got to add this other thing to my tool belt and I'll be fine. This road will work out. Or what we end up doing is saying, well, no, no, it's okay. What I'll do is that I'll just jump to this, over, this other fork over here. I'll take this other road. I've seen it before. I know that other people are on that road. I'll jump over to that one. And that's a mistake, especially for potentially an important reason. Now, the best thing that we can do usually is to go back to that fork in the road and start over. And really assess things. But then the other problem that comes with that is that some of us feel like, well, well that, would just be, that would just be saying, well, 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 I failed. How many people like to feel like a failure? <laughs> like, you know, fail. Like, or, well, how about all these wasted years? I can learn from this experience. Okay, listen, I'm not picking on anybody here. Th- these are thoughts that I had about my own forks in the road. I've definitely thought about that one. Well, I can learn from these experiences. No. So, in 1 Peter we find, and we will continue to find, that he employs a very consistent pattern in the way that he's teaching. As he exhorts us to, as Nick alluded in the beginning this morning, to orthopraxy, which is the living out, the conduct of our Christian lives, which he is exhorting us to in our lives today, to the imperatives, to the obedient living out of the Christian life, he will also continually remind us of the indicatives of who God is and what he's done. Why? Well, because that was the fork in the road. (laughs) Or it should have been. Or it could be for you today. And he wants to remind us of that because sometimes that's where we need and we must go back in our minds. He wants to remind us of his amazing gifts of mercy, of grace, 
and salvation so that we will never think, listen, so that we will never think on this road as we're living out our faith that it is in our own strength. It is always because of him and what he has done and is doing in our hearts and in our lives. And so that's why Peter will continually bring us back to the fact that we need to come back to this grace, this power of the Holy Spirit that is, if we are in Christ, and I need to emphasize that today in this text, that's where we get the power from to live out the gospel in our lives today. So today, as we consider this passage, let me encourage you here today to keep the thought of what road you're currently on in the back of your mind. Keep it there. And two things also in mind. First, as you look back on your life to this point, that point, can you remember a particular point or fork in the road that you took that, well, didn't really work out that well? And as you're thinking about that, can I ask you this question? We'll get to it in the end. Are you still on that road? Are you still on that road? And for those of you who are Christian here today and you've taken the narrow path, and you've been on that road, but there have been some trials and some struggles. Think about that. And let me encourage you to be honest. It's just between you and Jesus this morning, okay? It's just between you and him this morning. And secondly, can you look back and see the day that the fork in the road was, listen, the day. That day, the time or season when you were born again and you knew it when you chose the road less traveled, great book, and decided, yes, listen, decided then at that fork in the road to obediently follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. If that's you, then listen, let me suggest be thinking about how that's been going and ask you again, yourself again, honestly, have you, have you needed to go back <laughs> to that point and remind yourself of that? Have you, because of some trials and persecutions, kind of deviated from that road? Maybe put your foot over into the wide road? Okay, again, be honest. And listen, if you're saying to yourself, yeah, that's me, good news. That means you're a Christian. (laughs) That's what happens to us. And that's why Paul and Peter write words like this, is to encourage us to persevere in our faith and in this road. Peter and the Spirit want all of us here today to stay on the narrow path or go back and remember the start down this path. Or if you truly do remember and you've been growing in holiness, then our conclusion today might actually be most encouraging for you. But I hope it will be encouraging for everyone. So let's have a look at what Peter says here. Beginning in verse 22, it'll be on screen for you. Or in your Bibles and on your app, okay? Okay? He says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So I have to give a warning or a caveat, whichever you prefer up front. Uh, We're going to need to do a little bit of jumping back and forth between the texts today to really get a picture of what Peter is doing here to see his pattern. Further, I want you to think about, and as you meditate on these words throughout the week, which I would encourage, uh, just... Be thinking about a few key words in the text. I think one of the keyest words is the word pure or purified. 
Of course, another important word in the text is love. And we're going to spend some time on that word today. But then there is the other word, and it is the word, word. It's a key word in our text today. So now the imperative that we see in this verse is this. Peter wants for you, and this is what Peter wants for you and I, for the churches, for the Christians in Asia Minor, but what the Holy Spirit wants for you and I here today, I believe, is brotherly love for one another. That's what he wants. So I I find it interesting as I was reading this, and it kind of struck me at that point. I was like, hold on. Why does Peter go there that he wants that? And as you're going to see in verse 1 of chapter 2, it's like, He's talking about slander and envy and, you know, like really not nice things. I'm like, why all of a sudden is he going to that stuff? I mean, we're Christians, right? We, we don't behave that way. You know, he's all look so serious at this moment. Um, well, it's interesting, but as I thought about it, here's, here's what I think is true. Peter, like Paul, oftentimes writes letters in response to letters that he's been getting from the elders in local churches. And we also know, as you'll find out when we get near the end of, and I've told you before, the end of 1 Peter, that Peter the Apostle is also an elder now in a local church. And so he knows, kids, <laughs> that these things happen. And so that's why he's, he's, you know, he's going into these things. And so I think that's really important for us to know. It's a response. And besides that, Peter, as I said, has experience in his own local church, and he's got the heart of a pastor. And so he's, look, he's willing to talk to them, write to them, like I am willing to stand up in front of you and talk to you honestly about these things. (laughs) He has a heart for them. He knows that when trials, suffering, and persecutions come into the life and lives of the members of the local church, well, people, yes, even Christians can forget how actually we're supposed to behave to one another, let alone to the world, but even to one another. We forget. I forget. That's his point. We be, we, listen, we can begin to doubt one another. We can begin to assume things about one another. We, we can begin to say things like, hey, we're suffering. We're, we're under this persecution and trial because of him. It's usually the preacher. <laughs> Okay, it's okay. Um, Or her, or because of that situation, or them. We can be like that. Finger pointing can and does happen. Peter knows, in fact, that it is happening and that it shouldn't be named among us. That's why he's writing this letter. So now, if we follow Peter's train of thought, we see that he's saying this, basically. He's saying, love each other, look at the words, sincerely and earnestly. And then look, he tells us that this imperative, this go do, live this way, comes from the indicative of a, this is important, a pure and purified heart, already pure and purified. Okay, being sanctified, being purified, yes, but it's speaking about something that's already happened. So this is speaking about a true Christian who should, be ex- who should be expressing sincerity and earnesty towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. So now, and this will become so important in a few minutes, as we consider a concept that I believe, yes, I believe is going to be very challenging for, it should be challenging for all of us. Peter is saying this, sincere and earnest love for a brother or sister in Christ is whom he means, 
This kind of love can only come from an already purified heart. And there's more. This obedience and purified heart only comes from the truth of the word. So what is Peter doing here? Well, once again, he's talking or taking them all back to that pivotal fork in the road, the day that they trusted Christ for their salvation. He's going, look, remember what has been done for you and why and what that actually means. And if you're born again and in Christ, this is to be you. This is who we're talking to. And this is what you can do. So let's go on where he says in verse 23, since you have been, again, past tense, have been, born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. (laughs) So look, back again to that crucial fork in the road was when you were born again. And you were saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in your place, for your sins. That's the gospel. At that moment, at that very moment, the moment you believed and, listen, obediently responded to God's call on your life, you were saved. You were, I was born again. So, Peter's not done yet. I want you to see this last part. Remember a few weeks ago where at the end of the sermon I kind of pressed into the idea that you need to be seed casters? Everybody loved that application, right? Well, here it is. It's right here in the text. It's what Peter's getting at. You and I were not saved, born again by human wisdom or reasoning or effort. Amen? We weren't born again by that. That's perishable seed. So I don't know, I don't care who you're listening, whose podcast, what book you're reading, if they're telling you how to achieve the good life or live the good life or, or whatever, and, and, it, and you're like buying it, it's perishable seed if it isn't from a purified heart, isn't from the Father through the Son to you, through us, to them, to the world. It's perishable seed. Now, of course, they in that day would also be hearing these words and realizing that it also has something to do with human procreation, which also, listen, is perishable seed. But, listen, not by that, but by imperishable seed. And that is, look at the text, that is the living, living and abiding where? In us, word of God. Which is truly alive. So, to recap, for you and I to live out the orthopraxy, the life of good conduct that we are saved to live, Peter is calling us to love one another, which is grounded in that great fork in the road in our lives. And so I hope and pray we've all experienced that today. I do, whether here or watching online, I hope. Because listen, challenging words here, Without that, it is impossible to love this way. It is impossible to love each other or anyone in this world that way. So, let's have a look at that. The love Peter is calling us 
to here flows out of holiness, never the other way around. Last week I mentioned to you that orthopraxy, the living out of our faith, always flows out of orthodoxy, who God is and what he's done. Not the other way around. We, we try to do it the other way all the time. It's wrong. It, it will fail. It is not healthy. So the question then has to be this. What is love? Well, there are three Greek words for love that we find in the New Testament. Two of them are found side by side in our text here today. It's very interesting how Peter and the Holy Spirit line this up. The first is brotherly love, which is the Greek word philio. Then immediately afterward, Peter uses the word agape. That's a huge change. That's supposed to be the change that takes place when we're born again. That we are experiencing and that we now can express to one another, but also to this world. So what's he doing here? What's this that he's trying to get at? Well, to capture this meaning, we need to include the adjective, this is important, the adjective sincere to brotherly love. This is interesting. When you put sincere brotherly love together and you actually look at the Greek, sincere brotherly is literally one word in the Greek. And that word is unhypocritical. So that's interesting. And this tells us a lot about where Peter is going. So as we're going to see in chapter 2, verse 1, hypocrisy was part of their old nature. And he's saying, don't don't go back to that. Don't act that way again. That's not Christian-like. To be hypocritical, it was part of your old nature. It's not to be named amongst us. But that then is why this imperative flows from Peter. So what follows immediately after this command for unhypocritical brotherly love is true Christian love, which is agape love. And look again, you can just see it in the text, read it for yourselves. You, you don't have to take my word for it. It's, it's what flows from a already purified heart. Do we see that? That's where it flows from, from a born again, purified or being purified, because none of us are all the way there yet, heart, which is an, on another level altogether from filio, brotherly love. And also, of course, from the third one, the third one in the Greek is the word eros, which is erotic or carnal love. It is a word used to define love. So agape love is the love that the Father has for the Son, the Son has for the Father, and that if we are in Christ, the Father is bestowing upon us because we are his children, we're part of his family. It is the love that we can now express to one another. It's ours. So it's going to get more challenging. <laughs> but it's important because what do we want to do? We, we want to love people in this world, don't we? We, we want people to be loved. We, everybody in this world wants love. So I, I, I have no doubt that most of you have heard of something called cheap grace. Right? Uh, I want to suggest to you that there's another term that we, we, we could use and apply to our world and culture today. Cheap love. The word love is thrown around all the time. I love my cat. Okay? Now, that's a stretch for me if you know me personally, but, right? Okay, it's a big stretch. Uh, I love sushi. Okay, that's not a stretch. That's just the truth. Well, okay, but you know what I mean? It's, I love this. You know, I, I love sports. I love music. I love arts. Oh, yes, I, I love this other person. 
and I hope that she loves me too. <laughs> but what, what kind of love are we talking about here is really, really important. So the question then becomes, what's your definition of love? So please hear me here. There's a hashtag that's thrown around a lot today, especially a certain month of the year, and it's the hashtag love is love. Right? Now, I understand what people who love that hashtag and use it are trying to say. I understand that. But then the question really has to be, what, what does it really mean? I've been trying to put, you know, this is this, is love, this, is this or that is that, and I, I, I've come up with a bunch of, Ill, and I don't want to use them because they're, they're just probably not, they're going not to sound, not sound good. But what I want to suggest is, is that what does that actually mean? I want to ask that question. Honestly, what does that actually mean? Now, we understand, again, what people are trying to say by that, but what does it mean? Well, I believe in our relativistic society, uh, which is basically saying that your truth is your truth. It's also potentially saying this. Your love, or how you define it, is your love. Mine is mine. Okay, can we just all get along? And, And listen, when it comes to acceptance and compassion and love for people, loving that way, sure. But friends, this is really important. It gets really confusing because, hear me, neither of those two words, love, in that hashtag, are agape love. Why? Well, unless it's a Christian who's born again, who has a purified heart, who's declaring that, it cannot be. Now, some of us might say, well, oh, that's not just challenging, that's hard. I get it. Believe me, I get it. But you know what also I think it is? It's a gospel opportunity. It's a gospel opportunity. People in this world desperately want agape love. They just don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. If you're in Christ, I hope you're learning more about it today and you know what it is. That's the point. So back to the kind of love we are to have for one another, as we've already seen, that's unhypocritical love, right? So what exactly might that look like or require, listen, require of you and I? Well, most of you will actually understand the Greek word here. You'll understand it. How many of you remember, like, there's these uh, two masks that, you know, like in plays that are used, you know, the happy face, sad face, the two masks? Well, those represent actually in plays and back in Shakespearean days and even today sometimes they're used. Actors will wear those masks. Why? Well, well, they're letting you know they're an actor. This is not really me. I'm wearing a mask. The real me is behind the mask. Right? Okay, confession time. We're all wearing masks, right? Or we all have been wearing masks. I will suggest to you. And so the, the thing is this. We need to realize that. Before we know Christ, boy, are we wearing masks. But even in Christ, we can wear masks. And that's going to stifle our ability to experience agape love and express it. So let's lean into that a bit here. You do realize, I'm suggesting it, but I hope you realize that you wear a mask. We all do from time to time. And so trust me, I think the majority of our Instagram posts are masks, right? That's the way, when, you know, whenever I post anything, if my wife and I, you know, I get my hair set right, and, and then we smile and we take a picture, right? Okay, I'm not trying to wear a mask, but let's be honest. 
we wear masks, and the question must be why. Why do we wear masks? Well, there are really dozens of reasons, but let me just name a few here this morning that come to my mind. Number one, fear, shame, guilt, trust. We fear being hurt by people who, if, they, if I actually open up and I actually you know, let people into my life and let them see what's behind the mask, the things that even as a Christian I'm, I'm still battling with or doing or did last week or even thought this morning, they'll think less of me. And then there's shame and guilt because of either our own sin or our comparison with others, right? And we just don't want people to know us deeply enough. Friends, I, I'm going to, this is, I know, but I think one of the reasons why some of us don't lean in consistently to community, community groups, is for that reason. We're leery of being vulnerable, hurt, and maybe judged unfairly. I get it. We get it. And yet Peter is saying this. This is really, really important for us to take away today and believe. We're not at a conclusion yet, but it's important. When you become a Christian, something happened to you. And in you so that you can start taking your masks off and quite frankly, leave them off all the time. You begin to come out from behind your walls, or at least you can. You begin to take the risk of learning to love one another. You're going to get let down once in a while, but you keep at it. You persevere earnestly with one another. And, and then you come to the realization, especially if you go back to that original fork in the road, you realize, hold on a second. I'm a new person in Christ. I'm a new creation. I don't have to have fear, guilt, and shame about any of that stuff or any of this stuff. I have been made perfect in Christ. I'm not there yet, but I'm forgiven completely, and my brothers and sisters in Christ will forgive me too. Hello? Hello? I, I believe knowing that, friends, and believing these truths, you and I, listen, can sincerely and earnestly love one another the way we should. That word, those words together, earnestly particularly, means to persevere, like to keep at it. Don't give up. We give up on each other so easily. Come on, church, we do. So this one, once again, the indicatives of, listen, knowing who God is and what he has done, which is also then knowing who we were, but who because of him we now are, is critically important for us to be able to love this way. And that's really important going forward in the imperatives, living the Christian life, and quite frankly, us being on mission with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to make him known and cause people to come to faith in Jesus Christ through our witness and testimony. He does the work, but we speak it. So out of that flows this beautiful imperative that Peter lays on us. You know what? I think, I think Peter got this idea from Jesus. You think? He did. John 13, Jesus said this. A new commandment. Okay, so Peter is writing an imperative to the people in Asia Minor. Jesus is saying, hold on. This is my commandment. That's a higher level, isn't it? What? That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, 
you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The word love is used four times in these two verses. Guess which Greek word is used all four times? Agape. It's an otherworldly love, guys. Have you experienced it? The agape love of the Father? Has the Spirit warmed your heart at any point in time when you realize, oh my, I really am forgiven and his child? And this is what also Jesus says, marks us as his disciples. Last night we met together as three plus churches, actually. And uh, you know what? The, the, the fellow who's the... the custodian of the property, kept coming over all the time, who I'd had a conversation with before and told me all about his beliefs <laughs> and, and grew up in an area just north of where I did in Toronto. We had a great conversation and he kept coming back all night going, this is incredible what you guys are doing. The, the, the expression of love for one another was like sincere, wasn't it? It was sincere. That speaks volumes in our world and culture today. Peter goes on and says, For or because all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass, the the grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So I, I honestly, I really love this. I read one commentator, I think it was a commentator or an author, who, who wrote that after reading this text, he thought to himself, because he's a preacher too, he thought to himself, okay, when I get up on Sunday, no big deal, or, or better, I'm no big deal. Right? Which is true. You need to be humble. And, and, uh, and I hope I am. And, and he says this, all I am is I'm just withering grass preaching to a bunch of other withering grass. Feel better? <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what he said. And uh, so, so it sounds humble, but the point here actually is this, as it should be. You and I are just like the grass. We are. We're going to wither. <laughs> we're going to fade. And we're going to die. But the word of the living God will never die. It is alive. It is what we have today. It's what we can go back to every day. As we're going to see in our last verses, in this verse actually as well, it's where we need to go. beautiful part about that is that one day we are going to be living in eternity with the literal word of God in the flesh. But his word that he spoke here and was spoken here will still be there. That's amazing. So he also says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. I suggest this to you. Peter is exhorting them to do likewise. Like I exhorted you a few few weeks ago. We've got to cast seeds. It, It Our walk should match our what? Our talk. (laughs) We've got to be casting seeds. We've got to be telling people about Jesus. We've got to be telling people about agape love. They need it. Do they not? They need it. People are dying in their sins, church. So friends, if you're in Christ here today, that's how it worked for you. If you think about it, you heard the word of God, either preached or someone shared the gospel with you. You heard it. God called you at that moment. You then obeyed. You had to do something. Yes, you did. You had to do something, but you only did it because he did it. He called you. You responded in faith and obeyed the call. And if you did, you're in Christ here today. 
You were born again. So Peter concludes with these words. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you've heard me say many, many times that our chapter breaks and verses in our Bibles are are not in the original documents. I honestly believe these three verses belong to the text we've been reading as kind of the conclusion to them although we'll pick them up again next week. It's important. So first, there's the obvious imperatives. As you, uh, those who have been obediently purified, love one another with, sincere, uh, with sincerity and perseverance, and in doing so, do not look back to your former ignorance. Remember verse 14 in chapter 1? Don't look back to that, which was what? Well, <laughs> malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Don't look back to that. Don't go back to that. Don't behave that way. No, no. Instead, love one another with pure hearts. And also remember this, look, feed daily, daily on the word of God. This illustration that he gives here, this is not about, sometimes you hear the teaching about, well, uh, young Christians, people who are brand new in their faith, they, they, need, uh, they need spiritual milk. They need, they need very simple theology. That is not what he's getting at here in this text. Not at all. Any of you who are moms here, like I don't want to, Talk, talk about this too, too. But you know, like if you've had an infant and there's a point at which you go, this baby will not stop feeding. <laughs> this baby wants to feed day and night. I used to say to Janice, whenever the ch- children would start crying when they were infants, I would say, would you please go feed them? Because it seemed to work. I don't know. But well, it did. And, and, but here's the point. What Peter is getting at is the pure, purifying spiritual milk is the word of God. When the trials, the tribulations are coming our way, go back to that long desire for that true spiritual milk because it is that that is going to grow you up into salvation. That is what's going to help you go and be brave enough to cast seeds. It is that. So listen, lastly, the question here is, before I conclude, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you? Like, at the fork in the road yet? Or lately, go to his word. So in conclusion then, let's go back to the fork again. Have you stood at this fork, this fork in the road before? Have you heard the call of God on your life? Did you respond? Did you obey? Friend, listen here today or if you're watching online. If at some point you were there and you could honestly say I was there and you know what? I didn't really You must do that today. You must. Why? Because not me, but the preaching of God's word is calling you. The Holy Spirit is calling you because you're hearing it. So if you didn't, you must do that today. Have you been, listen question, Christian, on the narrow path for some time, occasionally tasted that the Lord is good, but have had trials, sufferings, and maybe even persecutions? Have they worn you down? Like I said earlier, good news, you're a Christian. That's what happens. It happens to me like often. And I'm sure it happens to you. So as I say, that's good news. But, if you, but before I listen, I give you a final encouraging word. Let me also suggest this to you. I think oftentimes we get the wrong idea about that fork. I think the idea that we get is that, okay, I took the road less traveled. I took the narrow path. And that means um, my path is going that way and the other path is going that way. In one sense, Yes. One leads to life, the other destruction. But in life, I don't think that's true. Not in my experience. 
I think they're actually parallel. Really closely parallel. Because what we try to do sometimes as Christians is do this. It can get uncomfortable, right? Right? It's that close, guys. And that's what the enemy of our souls, the enemy who wants to stop us from casting seeds, wants us to do. Because, listen, he wants you, if you're a Christian, to be at least functionally dead. And if he can get you to do this once in a while, maybe you'll do this. So now for some encouragement. I'll leave you with this. Stay on the good road. Stay on the good road. Return daily to the source of pure spiritual milk. Be in healthy community, friends. Be transparent. Love one another deeply. We need this, church. I know most of you. You're very loving. You really are. We, we need more of it. We need it to be on display and evident all the time. Hugs and kisses allowed. We're post-COVID, okay? On the back of my cheek, anyway. Finally, this morning, are you here today or watching online and you've realized, you've actually realized today that you are at that fork in the road? You're there. For the first time in your life, you can actually say, no, no, wait a second. (laughs) It's not that I thought I was a Christian. No, no, today I'm actually at that fork in the road. God's calling you. There's only one thing for you to do. Obey. Trust. Receive Christ. It's an incredible life. Pray with me, would you?